had to be like, it was like, you know, like Wu-Tang Clan, you know, uh, Obama-tomically. Socrates' philosophies and hypotheses can't define how I be dropping. What? Hold on. Come on. Like, I don't want to hear the rest. Stop the song. Stop the song. <laughs> hey, y'all. Welcome back to Living Millennial Podcast. I am Brittany. Hey, y'all. It's Mandisa. And we have a very special guest with us today. We have Leo Flowers. Welcome. Welcome. I appreciate you having me. I, I feel like I already know you. We talked so much already. <laughs> Let's go. We have, we have. I feel like I already know you. I listened to your podcast, which is called Before You Kill Yourself. And which is um, off the bat, it's like, oh, whoa, like, what is he talking about here? Um, which I'm sure is the point. And love the content. Very informational. Absolutely love it. Um, so for those who are tuning in and who may not know you, tell us more of who you are, what you do, and the purpose behind your work. Um, I'm all of it. I'm everything. Before You Kill Yourself, it's a suicide prevention podcast. And um, the, the title, Before You Kill Yourself, came from a conversation I had with a woman on a plane. Uh, she talked about how she was about to end her life, had a gun to her head in her bathroom. And then she heard her baby crying. And mm. she was like, oh, damn, I got to go feed the baby. And, and that saved her life. And I was like, how many people are that close to ending their life and they forget that they gotta go feed the baby or do the laundry or send off an email or call their mom or take a nap or take a shower. You know, like, like the, the window is so small. It's so mm -hmm. whimsical. That window of wanting, you know, Albert Camus said, should I end my life or go get coffee? Like it, it's so fragile. So the idea of before you kill yourself is, is not to make light of, suicide, but it's like, you know, before you end your life, before you destroy everything, um, you know, have you rearranged your sock drawer? Like it's, it's that whimsical, but also the other side of the, the podcast is if I'm asking you to stay with us, um, then I should also be teaching you skills on how to thrive through, you know, physical health, mental health, emotional health, financial health, relationship, health. You know, my, my girlfriend, Michelle, works at a suicide prevention hotline. And the number of kids who call, especially boys, a lot of boys, uh, unrequited love, breakups, she didn't text me back and are just on the verge of wanting to end their lives. So, uh, you know, before you kill yourself, you know, check in with my podcast, check in uh, with this podcast and, uh, and let's get to tomorrow together. So uh, that's that's my story right now. Um, I love that. I'm so sorry if I cut you off. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> Can you say <laughs> that last bit one more time? Um, let's get to tomorrow together. together. Yes. Let's get to tomorrow together. Y'all already know the pin <laughs> has started. Medis is writing things down. Incredible. <laughs> so um, I'm later. 45. I'm 45 now, right? And mm -hmm. when I was nine, I told my mom that when I turned 40, I was going to end my life, right? So mm -hmm. for that's personally where it comes from. And as I approached 40, uh, my mom would often remind me. You know, she from Belize. She was like, "Remember you said you're going to kill you." I was like, "Are you 
reminding me or are you like concerned? I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell from the tone in her voice. And, um, but I, I really started to reflect on like, what would make a nine-year-old say something like mm. that? And, you know, mm. I look back and I realized I had uh, always felt like a burden to my family. I grew up in a single parent home. My father really wasn't around. Uh, and my mom was working two, three jobs uh, to put us through Catholic school, right? We're not even Catholic. Mm. But she just, she was, she was so um, um, uh, um, emphatic about us having not just a good education, but a, a, a great and excellent education that she was willing to make all these di different sacrifices for my sister and I to go to a Catholic school and get uh, top education. Um, so I, you know, I always felt like a financial burden and just was trying to stay out the way and not trying to add to my mom's struggles um, and when you look at suicidality, a lot of it is people feeling like a burden or not feeling like they have purpose or connection uh, to people. So uh, I was like, if I'm struggling with this, if I'm struggling with these ideas, um, and I have a master's degree in, in psychology, and I play college football, and I've been to five continents, I've, you know, I've done a lot with my life, uh, I can't imagine with someone who, um, you know, has fewer resources. And thank you for that work. I think that's, so that's tremendously important. The, the um, and we'll like, get to questions get about resources, um, who, what's available, uh, and even um, how hard it is to access a lot of things. We definitely have mm -hmm. questions around that. Um, before we get started we like to play games on literally yes. a podcast and this episode is no different we got some games we got some games around her <laughs> i'm all for it we were just talking about yes. freeze tag and uh red rover and you know monopoly i'm a huge Ooh. monopoly fan so it's taboo Tab Ooh. taboo destroys friendships that's so does that's monopoly like, oh does. yeah <laughs> Monopoly breaks up families. <laughs> so uh, sometimes Michelle and I play and, you know, she'll be up billions of dollars on me. And, you know, I'm, I'm ready to tap out. I'm ready to concede. But she likes to watch me just bleed out slowly all over. She, she likes to, she, oh, she wants to take every penny from me, you know, so she won't <laughs> let me go, which is just. Uh, you know, Nafar, I'm like, how could you? I thought you loved me. I thought we was on the, you know, okay. There's no love, love in Monopoly. Not, no, none. No, none. 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 <laughs> For my family, it's Uno. 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 Listen. Draw fork, draw fork, draw fork. All of it. All of it. All of it. Uno out. Yeah. We take, we take, there's no love. Listen, we, we, mm -mm. you can't negotiate nothing. You can't, nope. Just take it and walk away. That's, I'll, see, I'll talk to you tomorrow when you get over your feelings. When you pick yeah. up your right, feelings, right. that's exactly uh, how it off. <laughs> it's rude. Yeah, it is rude. Okay. Somebody you the two draw fours and then a reverse. And then, a, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, I'll you. dare you. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, man, that's personal. You could have said that another way. Right. Really? Right. You, you was holding on to that card, <laughs> yeah, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, and broke many a tables. Um <laughs> but um so let's get started with the game we listen we already we already having fun talking about games so just let you know how fun the games are gonna be um and Lisa, i'll let you go ahead and, and kick us off with the game segment 
Right. So we're going to get into a mental health edition of We Are Not Really Strangers. So we got a few questions for you. Let's get it popping. Question number one. Have you neglected your mental health recently? And if so, what's one small way you can make it up to yourself? Oh, I did that today. I, I just like scarfed down a whole bag of uh, barbecue potato chips. And that's why I had the bubble guts earlier. I was talking about at the, <laughs> the top of the thing. And then, uh, you know, and I went and washed my car and I, and I cleaned up the place and I, I took care of some things around the house and, and set, you know, set up things for, for my podcast. And like, I, I also audition for commercials. Mm-hmm. So setting some things up to improve uh, that setup. Uh, and then took a little nap. I realized that I really wasn't hungry. I was just more tired. So I, I took a nap, bounced back, and now I'm here uh, full of energy. Good, good. Yes, I it sounds that. like the it sounds like the the chips gave you the itis a little bit, a little bit more yeah. than to the. Itis. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know works. what happens is it's those semi healthy foods that get you right. Like mm-hmm. it's like because it, you see, at their chips are like grain free, gluten free. So you're like, I can eat the whole, those are like pretty much vitamins, right? Like, right. It's a mineral, right? Like, <laughs> so I end up just eating the whole thing, you know? So I, I just that's can't so have funny. them in the house. That, that's yeah. the, not to be trusted. That, <laughs> I know, I know that life very much, but it sounds, it sounds like you put productivity before um, anything today, right? Which, which I think is incredibly uh, smart to do, especially if you go through a bout of procrastination. I know, I I know that life very well. Or those days and those weeks where you're like, oh, you take, have you say you're gonna take a day, uh, I'm gonna take a day off. I'm a rest, but then it's really it turns into more days, and then you know you have that energy. You get you make sure you give yourself the energy to really be productive. Um, so I, I like that that was your way of uh, prioritizing yourself or your mental health. Well, that. you know, yeah, because you talked about like energy and being productive. It's like I recognize like we all have different circadian rhythms mm-hmm. and I am uber productive between 5 a.m. and 10 a.m. Mm. Like anything you want me to get done at an optimal level, that's where yeah. I thrive. And then also at night between like 5 and 10 a.m. So like that's why I'm mm. super alert now. I'm hype. I'm ready to go. Yeah. And, and I have this window <laughs> between 5 and 10. Um, and so in anything between that, it's a crap shoot. I don't know what's going to happen. Like, it's right. not safe. It's, it's, it's Baghdad 83. You know, we don't know what chips. I might do some Jameson shots. I don't know what's going to happen. The middle of the day is not a good oh. time for Leo flowers. So, <laughs> uh, I realize that's what I need to rest and, yeah. and like, you know, keep, keep things to a minimal, you know, don't try to do too much. I love that. Yeah, you you on the right show. You on the right show. Random shots, <laughs> you on the right show. That's for sure. <laughs> What's our next question? I love it. Okay, next one. Finish this sentence. I'm working on accepting blank. That I need to sleep. Mm. Uh, it's, I, I, I'm, I'm like constantly fighting. Like that's all today was. That was all that bag of chips was about. I was tired. Because, you know, I woke up at, at 5 a.m. And, and meditated and journaled and practiced guitar and some Spanish and trained clients and all this stuff. And then, you know, by uh, 
and I also had an audition today. So that audition, it threw me off because usually I would, I would take a nap at noon, but the mm -hmm. audition, I had to do the audition at noon. And so that extra hour just threw me off because then it threw some other things back and, uh, and I was fighting sleep and it, all I had to do is just, but you know, we live in such a hyperactive world, especially country where if you're manic uh, and getting things done, we applaud that. But if you want to take a nap and just, you know, rest in the middle of the day, uh, something must be, you must be depressed, you must be lazy, uh, you know, how dare you, that kind of thing. And so yeah. we're all on this anxious wheel. And uh, I think it was Sarah Wilson in her book, uh, make, first we make the thing, we, first we make the beast beautiful. She mm -hmm. talked about how anxiety uh, can show itself in two ways. One of someone being overproductive, right? Uh, where you're like, oh, they're crushing it. They're doing a million things, but really they're feeling anxious and worried about money, about not getting passed up. It could, that, that overproductiveness can come from feelings of anxiety, imposter syndrome, uh, but anxiety can also be someone shutting down and, and not getting anything done. But we yell at the person who lays down and then we, we reward the person and like admire that person who is, just crushing it right yeah but we never ask like where is that coming from is it coming from fear or from love mm. yes. yes 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 i think a few some episodes ago it was definitely season three we had a similar question um in that discussion and at the time i was really starting so to unshed the idea of, you know, of like, like you're saying, glorifying unrest and really leading myself into, you know, resting without guilt. And I had listened to another podcast and I, I'm sure it was Hey Girl by um, Alex L, my favorite writer. And it was one episode where they were talking about restoration being like a radical resistance. Um, and I, I've been living by that like probably a little too much, <laughs> probably a little too well, which, which may also be a little bit of that guilt still hanging on. Right. But I've been, I've really been living by that and, and talking about that more and surrounding myself with more people who also value rest, particularly black women who are, who are valuing rest. Um, so I get it. Thank you for expressing that and, and prioritizing that. Yeah. Uh, Glennon Doyle in her new book, Untamed, uh, her wife, Abby, talks about, and her wife was, uh, you know, is a world-renowned uh, soccer player, former soccer player. Mm. And, and Abby was talking about how in the middle of the day, she likes to take a rest. But when Glennon comes home, she jumps up and starts like cleaning the house and stuff because she doesn't want to look lazy. And so, you know, we, we're all uh, wrestling with that. And so I love that idea of like restoration is, uh, is radical resistance because it, it really is and it gives us all more permission to be compassionate with ourselves mm -hmm. so we don't burn out totally. yes indeed yes indeed i love all of what you all are saying and i also want to say that my laptop is literally being propped up by two alex l books oh. <laughs> i have her journal which i just started the other day and then i have after the rain um which is um Beautiful already. And I'm only like 15 pages in <laughs> and I'm like, thank you.
but also I, I just want to like extra stamp and extra validate rest without guilt. Um, and also at the root of that, what I'm hearing is boundaries, being able to set boundaries with yourself and with the world and say, pause, time out. I need to go check out over here. Not because I am necessarily feeling lazy. I, I might be indulging <laughs> a little work avoidance or something like that, but because I need to rest and recharge so that I can come back mm -hmm. on top of my game and focus. And that came up for me yesterday and today. Um, we reached the end of our work week and, and we usually only have one day off in, in theater. Um, and this go around, we have two days off per week, which is exciting. And I was so thrilled when I heard that for this process. And I was feeling guilty yesterday because I didn't touch my laptop until I wanted to watch Netflix at night. Um, and I, I watched a movie and then I thought, oh, maybe I should do some work. And I thought, no, 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 no. You get two days. This is your day to rest do not open that inbox. Don't touch it. Don't go look at your script. Leave it alone. And then I woke up this morning, did my yoga, some writing. And I said, ah, now I'm ready to work. Let me go get some coffee and hop to it. And I did. And I had a super productive day. Yeah. Yeah. You come that. back with excitement. Yeah. yeah. You're like, oh, now I want to do this versus mm -hmm. I, I have want to do this. To do this. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, it drags. That yeah. was, oh, that was a comeback to computer like Medea. That was Diary of a Mad Black Woman, right? That was the actual play. Ready to do it all. Oh, this wasn't no TIA before. No, it was the Did I miss the But. All right, what is our, what's our last question? <laughs> our last question. It's another fill in the blank. So what's the best lesson blank has ever taught you? So it's a two in one, huh? We're sneaky over here. Oh, that is a sneaky one. What's the best? I, I tell you the best lesson I learned, uh, I used to substitute teach. And uh, I was a, like, I think they were sixth graders and I had to teach them math and I'm horrible at math. So I just basically told them what the assignment was. I didn't teach them math at all that day. Um, and one of the girls in the classroom didn't know how to do one of the questions. And so she asked me and I was like, I don't know, I asked somebody else. And the girl next to her said, um, I can't believe you don't know how to do that question. Speaking to the other girl, she's like, you're so dumb. And I was about to step in and say something, but something intuitively said to, to sit back and observe and the girl was like I don't know how to do it can you show me how to do it she's like oh my god this is so easy blah 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 blah. and just like kept going at her and the girl just kind of stood her ground and was like yeah but show me how to do it and eventually the girl conceded and showed her how to do it and then she's like okay I understand now thank you and then just continued on with her work and to me that was a lesson of one you know, Paulo Coelho talks about the four agreements and not taking things personally. And that's a clear example of that young girl not taking the bullying, the remarks, the comments about, you know, her being dumb or stupid or how could you not, and focusing on a task at hand, being mission oriented, being like, listen, I don't know how to do it, but 
once you show me how to do it, we're not going to have this problem anymore. And, and if you're going to complain about it, then do something about it. Right. Like you, you, and, and so I was very impressed because, you know, had I been in that girl's shoes, I would have went off or, you know, told, I, you know, I would, I would have been all, all up in my feelings, you know, had to play a Drake song or something. And, and she just stood in the pocket and was like, <laughs> all right, so just show me how to do it. And, and I think that uh, it's, it's a mentality that, uh, I've carried around of uh, once I figure it out, uh, whatever this situation, problem, conflict is, uh, it'll resolve itself, or at least we'll have more clarity. There'll be an understanding, um, and there won't be so much confusion and anxiety around it. So I, I think about I think about the interaction all the time. That's pretty cool. Yeah, to pick up on that at such an early age, it takes years for people to even get a smidget of that so that mindset so that is beautiful um so thank you game time he's over (laughs) (laughs) it's it's time to get to the discussion um so for our listeners if you haven't caught on already this is a uh, another episode about mental health um and again we want to provide the tools and resources and talk about our experiences um so our first question um because leo you are a mental health professional right I, I'm a, well, I'm a life coach. So I have a master's in counseling psychology and I used to counsel inmates and married couples. Mm. Um, and so I pivoted into coaching because it allows me to work with people anywhere with, with mm. counseling and therapy. Yeah. You know, you have, you can only work in the, in the country or the, uh, the state that you're licensed in. And yeah. I have always, I only want to do things on a global level. So if I can't work with someone in Australia or Sri Lanka or Budapest, then what's the point? Because, you know, they're going through struggles also. So for me to, to go down that, continue to go down that route, it, it didn't align with my, 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 my bigger mission. Of, of, and that's why, you know, the podcast is something that's accessible Mm-hmm. throughout the world and we have listeners worldwide so yeah. um that that's that was my thinking behind going from counseling to coaching to coaching okay awesome i know that's right listen this section this industry is not as big as my mission is as big as my vision is so i'm gonna shift it that's beautiful <laughs> that's beautiful not many folks are doing that you know not many folks are putting their purpose in their own hands so um i absolutely love that so my first question is what are reasons that people seek life coaches or mental health professionals that's a great question I, you know I, I don't know all the reasons. What I found is I have, a, my niche has always been women. Um, through, in, in college, I, we were selling drinks at house parties and every house party you go to, they would sell beer. And then me and my buddy were trying to sell shots. And then we realized, hey, let's cater to the women and let's sell daiquiris. So we would have a bar set up with daiquiris, pina coladas. You know, like when you go to Vegas, they got all those different colors set up. And so mm-hmm. we did that in college um, and we were making a killing. We would go from party to party, uh, raking in all this money, selling uh, drinks because we were thinking about women. But, um, you know, I used to be a personal trainer at Equinox. And when you're just starting out, you're, you're just wanting to work with anyone, right? But over time, what's happened is all my clients now are women. So with life coaching, 
my, my clients, uh, they are type A uh, personalities. They crush it at work. They're killing it, uh, but they feel lonely at home and in their relationships. You know, th these are women who are looking for people, purpose, and uh, and trying to optimize their potential. Mm. Um, and so it's the it's the inner, you know, connecting with themselves and connecting with others is uh, has has been my demographic. I love that, um, and that self connection. I think our audience can definitely connect to because the self-connection can connect to anyway, because <laughs> at least with our show, we talk about that stuff all the time. We talk about self-awareness, we talk about what we're discovering about ourselves, different transitions that we're in, our purpose, all the things that we're learning throughout those processes. Um, and I know for myself, I just recently got connected to um, a therapist that I see regularly that I'm so excited about. Um, and I really had to sit down and hone in on like my purpose and it really is because I joke about it. I'll say like, oh, because I was tired of talking about my friends to, to my other friends or something like that, which is not the truth, by the way. But, um, <laughs> but I started to notice that some of my, some of my discussions just, they were fulfilling, but there was still something that was lacking. And I do think that it's very important to, to connect yourself with someone who has the tools and the resources to, to respond to the things that, you know, we may need help with. Um, and sometimes your friends and your family, a lot of times your, our friends and our families, you know, just aren't going to be those people um, because they aren't professionals, you know? So it's perfect. Just like we seek professional trainers, right. Um, to, to, improve our bodies. Um, I'm, I'm starting to see more and more folks similar to me who are saying, Hey, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going this direction as far as my self-improvement is concerned. I'm reading these books or I'm, um, going to some of these groups, but to see a real professional, um, you know, I think will be helpful as it has been. I think that is, um, I think that's another great reason to, to, to seek someone, to seek a coach or mental health professional. Yeah, you know, you brought up a couple of things. You talked about books and, you know, so many people, they, a lot of us, self-help books, they make us feel good. And so, and they make us feel better about ourselves and about the world. And like, oh, I just read, uh, you know, Girl Boss or, you know, Alex <laughs> L, like whatever, or, you know, Michelle Obama's Becoming, you know, whatever mm. the book is. And then you're like, yeah, I, I got it now. And uh, what happens is, is that the, the, the work uh, doesn't, is just, that's just the beginning of it. Like, it's not enough just to read the book and then go read another book. It's like, take time to savor the lessons from that book and take time to practice some of the lessons out of that book. And, and, you know, there's a scene and if you, I don't know if you've seen Molly's game with yeah. Jessica Chastain and um, Idris, Elba. Idris Elba. You haven't seen Molly's Game, Brittany? Come on. Uh, it's a great movie. I'm hiding my face. And, I'm like, no. <laughs> and, um, but there's a scene in there where Idris Elba is talking to his daughter. I'm not giving anything away for those who haven't seen it like Brittany. Uh, but his daughter is, yeah, his daughter is like, I think she's maybe uh, 12 or 13 in the movie. And and he's mm -hmm. like, did you do your homework? And she's like, yeah. He's like, did you read the, the, the book or the chapter? And she's like, yeah. He's like, did you read it well enough to be able to teach it? Mm. And so when I think about books now and self-help books or any type of book, it's like, do you know the material well enough 
to teach it? Or do you just remember one thing from it and then you're off and running to the next thing? Like if you're not at a place where you can teach concepts from the book, that's why in school they had you take notes and then do a book report and then present it to the class so that it so that it sticks into your in your muscle memory, into your your muscle tissues. Like, are you having conversations with people about the book or are you just consuming it like a bag of potato chips? So um, that's that's part of also the benefit of coaching. And, mm-hmm. and going to therapy and seeing, being with a mental health professional that they are they continually remind you of the lessons that you're learning and they're reminding of what your resources are and what your strengths are and also you know what what your blind spots are right because uh, even Tiger Woods has a coach right even Michael Jordan had a coach mm-hmm. um, the elite level uh, you know athletes CEOs entrepreneurs they all have someone that they you know, ask and seek mentorship and get help from. No one is doing this all themselves. Uh, Barack Obama you know, realized early on he had to get a team around him of, of people who could help him think through things. So uh, at the end of the day, yes, you have the answers, it's your life, but sometimes you need someone to help you peel back the layer so you can uncover what's been there the whole time. Yes, indeed. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. I, I, I love that you just spoke on, on essentially surrounding yourself with not only professionals and, and those who can be really great resources for you, but, but having a great sounding board also, whether that's your friends, your family, your therapist, your teacher, your mentor, which we gonna have to do a whole episode of mentorship because that and youth is a whole nother discussion that just like sets my brain on fire. Okay, okay Leo, <laughs> going back to, you said the types of women um, who make up your, your client base now are typically type A. Um, and I also, the, the phrase that you use, optim, they like to optimize their potential really stuck in my brain because it seems so like technical and robotic. <laughs> and so that made me think of like the Tin Man from The Wiz and um, in this sense of being stiff and I'm wondering about the connection that you see between um, your client's physical health, especially when they first come to you versus like after some time has gone by and you all have had conversations um, and they're digging into and bettering their, their mental health and how that correlates. That's such a great question uh, because, you know, it ties into what we were talking about earlier with type A personalities and that um, mental health and you know optimizing your potential uh, uh oftentimes the, the the issue is that we don't know when to get off the treadmill right mm. we don't know when to, when to recharge and the the biggest um hindrance or challenge for a lot of people not just women but but men just people in general is that when you're a person who is go 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 do 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 um what the skill that usually atrophies in that process is delegation and asking for help and Mm. trusting that um, over time, the systems that you are implementing will uh, become part of the culture. So because we already know how to do it, right? When I tell you how to do it, 
then I expect you to know how to do it right now and why I gotta wait and why are you still making mistakes when I just explained it to you and I sent you a video and I made a memo and we just had a meeting last week. And, you know, I always go back to, uh, you know, it. I always use Phil Jackson because, uh, you know, for me, this is a great example of, you know, he wants to implement the triangle offense. You know, Phil Jackson is a basketball coach with the Chicago Bulls and with the Bulls and with the Lakers, him implementing that triangle offense took a while. It took years, actually, before the team actually bought in. And so uh, what happens is a lot of people who are go, 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 do, 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 they don't allow for the time for the system to start working. Like everybody wants to turn this thing around today. When we talk about, you know, racial inequality, uh, sexism, all these isms that we're like, we want it done now. We want it done yesterday. Uh, we're, we're talking about the Titanic. And so it's going to take some time for us to see a shift, for us to see a change uh, in personal training, right? They say, when you're talking about when you're uh, uh, going for physical, you know, results is that there are three levels. First, uh, you feel it, then you see it, and then other people see it, right? So it's the same thing with your mental health, with uh, relationship things, uh, uh, goals, in that we all want to see, feel, and have other people see it immediately, but that's not the order of things. So once we are more educated and, and understand the, the, how things progress, how transformation takes hold, then it alleviates the anxiety of like, oh, I'm in this stage, right? I'm in this stage of grieving. I'm in this stage of, of love, you know, like in relationships, in that first stage, you got all the butterflies and you, you want to spend all the time with each other. And you can't get enough of each other. And then, you know, two days in, you're like, don't touch me. No, I'm joking. But, you know, like <laughs> after two days. But so, but there's a, but that's the natural progress of all these drugs and hormones and chemicals flood our system when we first start dating. And then that wears off. And then people get scared and they jump ship because they go, well, I don't feel the same way about you that I did three months ago. You're not supposed to. I hope that you don't. I hope that you don't feel the same way about me uh, on day 365 that you did on day one because we should be feeling differently about each other because we know more about each other. So, so many people are caught up in thinking about love and passion that they forget to think about connection and intimacy, right? And that's a deeper level. And that's the type of, uh, of, 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 uh, vibe feeling um that's the stage that'll get you you know that'll keep you going you know that's the ultra marathon right there intimacy connection like can i just can i just be with you in the same room do i like that do i like sharing space with you like forget like I listen i can go to italy have a great time with anybody we i could i could bungee jump and go to vegas and get drunk and have fun with anybody but can i sit and read a book on one chair and you sit and and sew uh in another chair and and it be like you know the most beautiful thing in the world if the answer is no then you know we haven't established a bond something okay. something's a little off there mm, period Brittany, i know you the- see my i'm about to jump out of my chair 
<laughs> yes, Mandisa is about to do backflips right now for those who are listening um, and can't see her necessarily. Because um, honestly, all of what you said, especially towards dating, we so we did an episode, um, our last two episodes were dedicated to conscious dating. And all mm-hmm. of what you said was is right on point with that conversation um and yes it's so important and it's it's so necessary and at the base of that is um you know how are we treating ourselves what how how much time are we spending with ourselves to understand what it is that we want so we can relay that right relay that message to our partners um because you're absolutely right on day 365 I should not feel the same, right? If anything, there should be an improvement. There should be, uh, you know, a, a higher or stronger feeling about the person or the, the partner that I'm with, um, you know, because we know so much about ourselves and we created space to learn more about our partners too. So mm-hmm. um, I absolutely love that. Uh, Dee, did you want to add to that? Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> not too much because both of what you said just, just, resonates and uh, my heart and my head not to explode <laughs> um but but yes being able to sit in the same room as someone and and you know like you said you do one thing you're doing the other and we just have this bond of 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 such a deep connection that that to me it should spur on both parties to want to make sure that that both of our mental health and and wellness and of course it well round physical health is is good too but in order to share space like that and and whether it's in silence or or whatever the <laughs> the atmosphere is um i feel like that's such that that relationship is is elevated to a level of I care so deeply about you that I want to make sure and have conversations about your current state mentally and also how do we check in in the future so that we can sit in bliss like this Mm -hmm. and if it's not then how do we deal with that Mm -hmm. you know one of the the the, uh, best tips I ever got was uh, in, from my Uber driver in Vegas. And it was, the guy was 80 years old, full of life. He drove a lime green, uh, like Dodge Charger or something like that. <laughs> and he lost his first wife to cancer, mm-hmm. uh, immediately remarried. And then uh, she died in a car accident and then he remarried again. And I said, man, you, you're, you know, you're 80 years old. You're, you're so full of life. I was so jealous that he had this sparkle in his <laughs> eye. And I said, you know, what's the, what's the key to your marriage? And he said, you, you have to travel. He said, you got to get out the house. You have mm. to spend time with each other. He goes, if you stay in a house together, you're going to kill each other. And mm. I know a lot of people can't afford to travel or always travel, but I think it's the idea of when we feel like we're in motion or moving towards a thing together that's that's really what traveling is you and i are on a journey together that's where space is made for us to connect talk and say the things that in our house might feel like a fight it might feel like a confrontation but maybe on a walk around the block Right. I mean, we don't have to we don't have to go to, uh, you know, Norway. We don't have to (laughs) check out Peru. 
just going on a walk around the block or along the beach, just can we be in transit together and, uh, and allow for space to be made for us to have that connection? A lot of times we have so many things between us, our, our cell phones, our, mm. our iPads, the TV is playing in the background, the kids, there's so many things that are blocking our connection. I, I liken it to like a, a snow globe, right? We wake up and we go, 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 and we're shaking up the snow globe, right? Mm. When you put the snow globe down, the snow doesn't immediately drop. It slowly settles down. And it's the same thing. So if you've been going, going, going all day, uh, you can't expect to then sit down with your significant other and think you're going to immediately connect and immediately be into that person. It's going to take a second for you to settle down, for her to settle down, and then for you to finally see each other right? That, that's what seeing each other is. It's like, mm. I let all my stuff settle down. You let your stuff settle down. We're kind of settled here. And now we can have a conversation. The problem is a lot of people try to have it in bed, which is dangerous. It should only be for <laughs> sex and sleep. It shouldn't be for uh, Tolstoy and, and deep provocative <laughs> uh, engagements, right? Um, it should be for rest and sex. And so that's the importance of like, you know, after dinner, go for a walk together, mm-hmm. um, go for a walk down, you know, in, in these Latin countries, they have a siesta, they have a midday break. It's an opportunity to check in with each other, uh, you know, uh, before we let the whole day get away from us and, and the world is, you know, making all these demands. And so mm-hmm. that's why I like to get up early. Uh, you know, I get up at five because I know, you know, once the world is up, I'm not going to have time to myself and then I'm going to be a little off the rest of the day. I'm going to be a little upset and mm-hmm. agitated because I didn't meditate and journal and, you know, do all the things to take care of my body. And I also love the idea of, of journeying together. We used to go on a lot of road trips as a family. Um, and there's just something wonderful about being with the same group of people, but in all these different places, uh, because of course, new conversations and ideas and topics will come up. You're seeing and experiencing different people and places. um, And that, that just opens up the conversation to share and really communicate on a different level than if you are, like you said, watching your TV, that's between you or, you know, the, the, whatever other um, things that are so routine and ingrained in our everyday lives. Yeah, and I and I definitely have nothing against um, watching TV. Uh, <laughs> Michelle and I, we watch. Uh, you know, we love Netflix and you know YouTube. We follow bloggers and stuff. However, what we also do is when we are watching a show, um, especially like I don't know if you watch Ozark. Um, Not yet. But you know. Anyway, <laughs> all right, yeah, both, both of y'all. We're losing I, points over here. Known as, yeah. But what we'll do is we'll pause the show and talk about what was just said mm-hmm. like hey would you have said what she said and uh, do you agree with what he did and what would you do in that situation so you know we're not just uh, uh watching it to consume it i mean of course sometimes we do but a lot of times we stop and and we may not it takes us sometimes a week to get through one episode <laughs> because we're pausing and stopping and talking about 
uh, you know, the argument or uh, how else could they have said that? Or, or did, you know, did you see why they got into an argument or, you know, just mm-hmm. all these different things that yeah. have come up, you know, I mean, I feel like that's what, I feel like uh, TV and, and media is, is uh, demonized so much, but really, uh, hopefully great art uh, sparks conversation, right? Yes. It's, it sparks engagement. Uh, it's not for you to completely just consume it. Of course, some mm-hmm. is, but, um, or some are, but even with books, I remember I read uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, and it took me months to read it uh, because I would read something that was so profound and insightful. Mm-hmm. I had to like marinate on it for a couple of days. I had to be like, it was like, you know, like Wu-Tang Clan, you know, uh, Obamatomically. Socrates' philosophies and hypotheses can't define how I be dropping. What? Hold on. Come on. Like, I don't want to hear the rest. Stop the song. Stop the song. I got Obama, Socrates' philosophy. What? Hold on. What, what is he? What is, why would he say that? You know, so, you know, I treat all art like that, whether it's books, movies, TV. I'm like, whoa, wait, hold, wait a minute. We can't just talk past it. You hear what he just, what? Yes. I don't even want to, I've walked out of movies because they said something so profound. I was like, I already got my money's worth. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm, I'll, I'll come back in a week. I was like, but that was too much right there. Like, what? I love it. <laughs> you know? So, uh, you know, I, I, it goes back to like allowing, th- let things move you. Let mm-hmm. it move you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, like that's like, that's what we're looking for. But a lot of times we deny that, we dismiss it. It's a, it's like a let life move you. We're walking around, you talked about like the Tin Man and the robot. You know, half of America are on painkillers because they've made us afraid to feel because now feeling's been associated with crazy or mental illness or off the rocker or manic or uh, are you are you having a panic attack? Are you, are you okay? Like, uh, no, I'm, I'm not okay and that's okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's let's, you know, embrace uh, emotion. Let's let's let things move us. Let's cry. Let's hug. Let's laugh Mm -hmm. out loud. Um, And, and, you know, that's why, you know, South America, you know, they they talk with their hands and they're like, and I, you know, and and the men dance and the women and like everybody dances. And in America, it's like we have to take a dance class and uh, one and uh, two and uh, three. Yeah. And, you know, like it's, it's either that or it's like drop it like it's hot. Like it's so extreme here and there's no middle ground of, of intimacy and, and mm. connection, you know, even in the way we are moving our bodies. That's why our back hurts all the time. Mm. Um, I, I listen, I'm about to, I'm, I'm done. Back, listen, I, 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 I could go on all day. <laughs> Man, you about to make me hop up my chair. (laughs) (laughs) We we can honestly listen to this all day because it's it's all so connected. Like we listen for our audience who don't know, we have like a list of questions, and all of what you're saying is just touching on a lot of what we have questions on, right? Or or, um, not even just for the the show, but even just in the world of like you know what are the results of prioritizing yourself? What, what can be the results of prioritizing your mental health? And all of what you're listing here are the results of that, especially when we, again, going back to dating, when we prioritize our personal mental wellness, um, you know, we are going to engage in healthy relationships, which is going to be nothing but a benefit for us. So, um, and I really love the fact that you mentioned that you 
pause what you watching to have a conversation about it because those who know me know i do not like when people talk during a show or a movie (laughs) (laughs) so i I appreciate the fact that you pause it and you have your conversation and then you get back to it because i oh it grabs my gears So I, I love that you do that. Like take, let it take a week to get through an episode, you know, even mm-hmm. if it's 30 minutes, let it take a week. But if you are, it also sounds like you're being very mindful of what you're consuming, right? Um, you know, you are, sometimes it can, it can be, I think it's okay to, to watch mindless things if that's, you know, a good escape for you. Um, but it is also very important, I think, and very good to watch things that, you know, if you do consume it, even, even I tell myself all the time, okay, Brittany, this, they, this is written content. Now they, this ain't real life. This is written. Don't take this, you know, don't take this personally, or don't, you know, think this is what the world truly is, but it is okay to dissect. It is okay to, you know, to see where it can apply. Um, so I, I love that you all are having that conversation. Um, I, I, I'm going to shift the conversation a bit because you touched on um, about racial inequities um, a, a while back in our discussion. And um, <laughs> we're very aware of what's going on in the world right now, particularly in this country, uh, but definitely in the world. We have, um, you know, protests that are go- that really are going on globally, particularly protests um, against folks' governments, against police brutality, um, fighting for accountability for everyone, right, for all the, the higher systems. Um, and I, I, I'm starting to see more and more mental health professionals, more and more coaches who are specializing or letting us know that they specialize in um, racial trauma and generational trauma, um, which I think is great. So let's talk about how living in a racially tense and imbalanced society can affect our mental health, even affect some of our professions as uh, as Black folks. I want to say as Black millennials um, as well, but definitely as Black folks as a whole. Well, you know, I have three sisters and, you know, and I, they're all in very black areas of of the country. I have one in Chicago and then two in Texas. And, you know, they, their experiences are, are, um, it's interesting for us to discuss our different experiences, right? And, and they keep me grounded and they give me a, a sounding board and outlet for, uh, let's be honest, rage at some times, right? Like it's it's hard not to um, to to hear all the different stories, to have all the different experiences, and or not on some level feel rage. It, it, and this goes back to feeling all the feelings of uh, there's a part of me that feels uh, outrage at at what's taking place in in the world and, and I'm enraged and incensed that with this with the Derek Chauvin thing like damn why'd there even have to be a trial like I mean it's so vid- like what what do we even discuss why is this even a discussion you know uh and so that that was heartbreaking you know so my, my rage then went to like sadness and despair of like man when I get caught my hand in the cookie jar I'm just like I did it like why don't you just be like I like it just spares all this grief and, and angst. Um, however, it's also our responsibility to check in with ourselves and and not feel like we have to solve it all right now. 
uh, to the point where, you know, people have disowned, like, either you're with me or you're against me. Uh, either you're an ally or you're not. Like, we're, you know, people are like forcing their friends to pick a side and, and disowning them for not understanding. And um, this is really the time to lean into curiosity, right? And, and what I mean is that if we all can be a bit more curious about each other, then uh, that's where the compassion and the understanding is. That's what a movie does, right? That's how a movie gets us to root for the bad guy. You watch a movie like, uh, or a TV show like Breaking Bad, um, where mm -hmm. the, 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 the teacher is a, a drug dealer and he's actually killing people. We're actually rooting for him. We want him to succeed, but why? Because we have an understanding of his backstory. We have an understanding of what's motivating him and where he's coming from and what his intentions are, right? And so it would be a much more powerful conversation at a protest instead of yelling at the other side to, to lean into the other side and say, who hurt you? You know, what, what, were, you, what were you disappointed by? Who let you down? Mm -hmm. You know, tell me about uh, unrequited love. Mm. Tell me about those moments you, you didn't feel accepted. Because at the end of the day, that's what this is all about, right? We, we're all wanting to feel accepted. We all want to feel loved. I, I might get a little political here. I'm not here for uh, racial equality. I'm not looking for that because uh, I honestly don't want what the other side has. We as a people, we're doing fine by ourselves. When you look at Tulsa, Oklahoma, when you look at uh, when, when they ended slavery, how quickly we were able to thrive after that, which is why they enacted the Jim Crow laws. Like mm -hmm. we're good. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't need, I don't need, we don't need the reparations. We don't need the handouts. We just need you to just, just not get in our way. <laughs> you know, Brittany, uh, you, you know, you also brought up generational trauma and historical trauma. And I, and I think that, uh, you know, for a lot of black people, um, you know, because of the, the nature of how we got here, uh, a lot of our history has been erased. And so uh, we don't know what our, what our history is, what our lineage is. It's interesting because, you know, now knowing that, I feel uh, a greater connection with mm -hmm. these other parts of the world, you know, but now I feel a greater connection with night. I'm like, I don't really know any much about Nigeria or that region or the culture of the people, but now I'm, I'm much more fascinated by it. Uh, the Scottish and Irish culture, uh, I, I don't know a lot about that, but now I'm much more uh, fascinated by that also. And it, and now to go and visit there, it, it resonates on a, on a different level. Um, but for, for, uh, I think the importance of, you know, really doing that work, and we talked about leaning into curiosity earlier, of like really, you know, finding out about your parents, their history, finding out about your grandparents, their history, if, if that's possible. I know a lot of people have been adopted um, and, um, and that's not an unfortunate thing, but I just know that, you know, maybe some of the records may have gotten lost as a result. Uh, but if you can, because you'll, you'll find that a lot of your behaviors are behaviors that have uh, been passed down, a lot of your actions, mm -hmm. you know, genes, genetics, hormones, uh, all those things have been passed down. Um, but we, we, we like to think that we are our own person. I'm an individual 
I'm a free thinker. Uh, I've, I've built this myself. I, 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 I. And, there's, and when you travel, you learn that there are cultures that don't have I in their vocabulary. They have we, us, totally. uh, and they, but I is, they don't even know what I is. What was this <laughs> I that you speak of? And it's a recognition of how we're all connected. So that, that generational trauma, it, or understanding your history, not just mm-hmm. your personal history, but the history of your, your culture, of your country, of the mm-hmm. world, it helps us feel less lonely because then we learn that, oh, I'm not the only one who experienced this. I'm not the only one who feels like this. There's so many people who have experienced this before me so I can learn from them and study them. So uh, I understand goes back to what are the progressions? What are the steps? How did they cope with it versus, because a lot of people can't afford therapy. Uh, I get that, but that's why books are great. That's why bios are amazing. I love that. And it, it ties into what I say often um, and what I advocate for often is multicultural education. I'm going to connect that to what you're saying about living in curiosity um, and remaining curious because we, we have to be totally honest, our, especially schools in, here in America, we don't get that. <laughs> There's so much of even our own history that's missing, um, which I also think leads to think leads to generational trauma and um, racial inequities that we have is all at the base of it, right? So I love the term living and leading in curiosity. And and I'm, I'm even going to add this too, because it's okay to be curious. I think it's great to be curious, but I, I want to ensure that folks don't put their curiosity over anyone else's comfortability. <laughs> <laughs> don't be nosy. Don't be don't, nosy. Don't, don't Mind you know, your business. Right. Yeah. Don't just go to somebody and be like, why are you, you know? <laughs> so, you know, there's boundaries with that. There's boundaries with that. But it is okay to be curious. It's okay to do our own research. It's okay to be mindful in what we are consuming, which is always what we're talking about. Um, so I love that that is, you know, that's what came out of, that's a beautiful conversation that came out of generational trauma or addressing it. I, I don't know many people who have that perspective. So I love that. And I appreciate that. And one, one question I do want to ask, cause you brought up, we're talking about lineage, right? And we're talking about family. And I know I've had my own experiences or experience with, um, with uh, thoughts of suicide and was able to get pulled out of that. Um, and I've definitely have interacted with people and have friends who have told me about their experiences and their thoughts past and current um or and and even folks who have opened up about current mental illnesses so depression anxiety um a list of things bipolar uh schizophrenia like uh, there's a list of things that folks you know are luckily getting more comfortable and and um opening up about and letting folks know um but with that I think that has also led to some uncomfortable conversations in receiving that information, if that makes sense. So like as a person who's looking to support or as a person who is listening to someone open up about those things, I I would love to have a conversation and get some resources about like, how do we, um, of course, receive that info, but also how do we avoid potentially harmful and dismissive responses? Stay tuned for the answer to this question and the remainder of this amazing dynamic conversation. You want to come back for this. You don't want to miss it. 
This is Living Millennial.